Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a few moments as we pray over today. Father, thank you. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these next few moments. And God, I pray over them. I ask you, God, that God, you would speak into our lives, God. I pray that these next few moments would not just come and go. And God, that they would not just be words. But God, I pray that they would be a moment in our lives that all of us can look back and say, this was a moment that God changed my life. We thank you for this, God, in your name. Amen. We're in this series now that we've, for several weeks, if you've not been with us, called Daring Faith, where we're talking about what does it look like for us to have daring faith in our life. And faith is a big deal. I think sometimes we forget what faith is about. Our theme scripture that we have looked at every weekend is found in Matthew chapter 9, 29. It says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. It says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. It tells us that you and I get to decide how much God is going to use us. You and I, in our life, we get to decide how much God is going to bless us. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible for you to please God without faith. The Bible also tells us in James 2.17 that if your faith does not have action, it's dead. So what we see here is that faith is not just a belief system. And this is where a lot of us kind of stop. We kind of have gotten into this mode of saying, well, I believe in God and I believe that God works and this is my belief system and I have faith. But the Bible tells us That our faith has to have action. It has to have movement. There has to be something that is showing that I trust God. I trust God enough to do this. And the story that we're looking at today, I think, is an amazing example of daring faith in a moment that a group of people faced. In the Israelites, if you're not familiar with the story that's found in, in Numbers, but in fact, there's a, a whole book called the Exodus that tells you in great detail about it. The Israelites were in captivity for 400 years. And God raised up a man by the name of Moses, and God spoke to Moses, and he said, Moses, I want you to go tell the, the Israelites that I have a future plan for them. I want you to go tell them that he has, he has a plan for their future. And I want to stop right there and just say this. Aren't you grateful that God has a plan for your future? I think sometimes we forget about that. I think there's a lot of times that we just kind of get in our ruts and get in our routines and we forget that God has a plan for our future. And what, what happens, you see this is, that I'm, man, they've made movies about this, this exodus and the story of, of the Israelites coming out of slavery and they're going somewhere. They're going to the promised land. It's where God's taken them. God has a, a plan in, in, their, in their future. He's got this special future for their life and God is taking them there and they get right 
on the verge. And, and what we're going to look at today is specifically, they're right on the edge of the promised land. The Israelites have gone through all of this journey of God delivering them, God taking them. Now they're right on the edge of the, the promised land. And Moses sends 12 12 guys that represented 12 tribes. And he says, I want you to go in and I want you to see what does our future look like. I I want you to go spend some time and just go around and see how fruitful the land is. Just see how much God, what does God really have for our future? And they go in, they spend 40 days going around and looking at everything. They come out and they give a report to Moses and they are carrying a huge cluster of grapes. The Bible tells us they were so big, they were like just as big as your head. That's some big grapes. And they're carrying these grapes, and and it's like they're all in all, and the people are running up, and they're looking at them, and they're carrying these huge grapes, and and these grapes symbolized the, the plan, the future God had for them, that the, the, the plan God had for them was not just an average, average future, but God had a great future for them. And this represented something amazing for them because they were, th- they were seeing this and they were talking about it and they were like, I cannot believe this. This blows me away how big these grapes are. And then what, what happens is they start to tell the story about what, what they saw, and, and I, I, I want to really communicate this to you today because I think we forget that God has a plan for our life. I think we forget this. We just kind of exist and we just kind of work, and our expectation of our future is just that, you know what, I'm just working and I'm waiting for retirement or I'm waiting for this or I'm waiting for my kids to get out of the house. Can I hear an Amen. I'm I'm waiting for this to happen. I'm waiting for my kids to get married or to have grandkids, whatever you're waiting for. And it's easy to kind of forget the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, for I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's got a great plan for you. And this is what God is showing the Israelites that he has a plan for them. And he says, Look at these grapes, and they're talking about this, and then they they go kind of negative, and they say to Moses, Moses, yes, the plan is awesome that God has, and it's it's a blessed land, but we got to tell you something. There are, the cities there are very big, the the people in it are, are just very strong. In fact, there are giants in the land, and they're talking all of this and all these obstacles to their future. And Joshua and Caleb are a part of this story. And Caleb, the Bible tells us that he's hearing them tell this report and he kind of stops them and he silences them. And this is what happens in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. He tells them that, to be silent, and he says, listen to me, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. In other words, Caleb is saying, our future, it's worth fighting for. Our future, it's worth fighting for. And again, there's this interaction. The other side is, they're, they're continuing to talk. In verse 31, it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. 
They are stronger than we are. In other words, Caleb, Caleb, you lost your mind. We can't do this. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people saw there, all the people we saw there are of great size. And so, again, they're just, they're like, we can't do this. I know this this future looks promising, but the obstacles in front of us, they're overwhelming. There's no way we can do this. And one of the things I want you to hear me today, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, is that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is to assume that if God wants me to have something, I won't have to fight for it. Let me say that again. One of the mistakes I believe that we make is to assume that if God wants me to have something, I don't have to fight for it. And I, I think this is, this is really one of the most dangerous things that has creeped itself into Christ followers is that we kind of get to a place that we don't really believe that there are things that we need to fight for. Now, let me just clarify something. When I say fight for something, I'm not saying you need to go learn Taekwondo or jujitsu, or I'm not saying you need to go get on Facebook and go on some rant about somebody you don't like, which gets on my nerves. I'm talking about an internal grit, an internal fight that you believe so much in your future, that you believe so much in in what God has shown you. You believe so much in the the future that God has given you, and and you are going to fight for it. And when you hear somebody say, you know what, what you want in your life, what God has called you to do, what God wants for your kids what God wants for your marriage, it's going to require some grit, some commitment, some boldness. It's very easy to just kind of push back. And this is a theology that a lot of us have bought into. We bought into this theology of like, well, you know what? I don't think I have to fight for anything. And God is a big God. And if God wants it to happen, it's just going to happen. And if it's God's will, it'll happen. If it doesn't, It's okay, and what happens is we've created a culture of Christ followers that are very passive. We're very passive, and it doesn't make sense when you start hearing the Word of God tells us that without faith, it's impossible for me to please God, that my faith has to have action. There's got to be some daring faith. There's got to be some boldness about the action in my life. And what happens, there's this internal struggle in us that we're like, Somehow we've started to believe the theology that, well, it is what it is, and if it's God's will, it's going to happen, and, and I don't need to do anything about it. I'm just called to be an attender. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are a lot of things happening in our city that are not God's will. There's a lot of things happening in your family that are not God's will. There's a lot of things happening in your son's life. I'm getting a little excited. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. I'm starting to spit, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of things happening in your kid's life that it's not God's will there's things happening in your daughter's life it's not God's will there's things happening in your marriage it's not God's will these things are worth fighting for we need to fight for God's will See, this theology of of just believing that, well, it is what it is, and God's just going to do what he wants to do, and 
And, and if it's God's will, it's going to happen, and there shouldn't be a fight. Well, listen, if we believe that, we're forgetting about Jesus. Because Jesus struggled. He fought. The, the Bible tells us when he was in the garden, he sweat like drops of blood. He, he was struggling. It was a fight, not a physical fight, but it was an emotional fight. And I think that what happens to so many of us is we've given up on our dreams. We've given up on, the, on, on what we wanted for our lives. Do you know that there's nothing different between me and you? There's not some special connection that I have with God that somehow God just kind of, I won the, the, the lottery up in heaven. And God said, Stephen gets to start Creekwood Church in, in Mansfield, and he won. That's not the way it works. I look at you, and you know what? God has the same powerful plan for your life. And it is worth fighting for. It is worth you getting uncomfortable It is worth you shaking up your life and saying, I see this and I want this. And God, you have called me to do this. I am going to do this. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight for it. Do you think that there are just certain people just kind of like, it just happens for them. and It just looks like God's doing a bunch in their life and And yet, on the other side, there's a group like the 10. Do you know that there's tragedy to this story? Because the 10 and the entire group that were connected to the 10 that listened to the negative report, they didn't believe they could do it. They never entered into the promised land. Only two tribes entered into the promised land. It's a sad story. But I think that churches are full of Christ followers, that their story is sad also. Because we're just kind of waiting around and we are miserable. What if I were to tell you this morning that what is, is needing to happen in your life is for you to have some daring faith to say, God, I see the grapes. I see the promised land. I know there's giants. I know there's obstacles in front of me. But God, with your help, I can do this. And I'm going to make this decision. See, Let me kind of dig a little bit deeper into this story because you really start to kind of see what's really internally going on. Do you know that your battle is not an external battle? Majority of the time, it is an internal battle, what is going, going on inside of your life. And this is what you see this in Numbers 13, 33. It tells us a powerful insight into their life. It says, we seem to like grasshoppers in... Whose eyes? Okay, we're going to be here till 2 o'clock today because y'all are not playing. I need y'all playing. Like, like y'all got to respond. Talk to me a little bit. It, it's whose eyes? That's awesome. Uh, I preach a lot faster if y'all talk to me a little bit, okay? Uh, Some of y'all are like, oh, I'll talk. Just be quiet. Uh, where was I? Okay. These, these people... They looked at these giants, and what they say is, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We got a picture of a grasshopper here. I wanted to, like, 
That's a big old picture. But, you know, grasshoppers are tiny. I wanted to bring a bunch of grasshoppers and throw them out in the audience. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, we've had a move of God in here. Everybody be jumping up and down like, we're having church. Some of y'all don't get that, but it's okay. Um, These tiny little things that they've seen all their life. They've seen these little grasshoppers. Like, how many of you are scared of bugs? Like, my wife, if, there can be the tiniest little bug, she's, and it's in the back of the house. She's screaming like there's a cobra in our house. And, like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, there's got to be a rattlesnake in the house. And I run up, and it's like a tiniest little bug. And my wife, the Israelites are comparing themselves to this. And I want to go slow here because I, I, I don't, I know you know this story and you probably heard it in, as a kid in church and you kind of like, oh, okay. But this is the way they see themselves. And I want you to get this today because I want you to realize how low they've gone in talking about themselves. They've gone so low in talking about themselves that they're describing themselves like, they're saying, we seem like grasshoppers. When you talk about yourself, how do you describe yourself? It's important for you to ask yourself this. Because I think that, listen to me, a lot of us, the way we have defined ourselves is why we don't take the daring faith steps that God calls us to make. Because we don't see what God sees in us. But listen to me, until you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, you will never take daring steps in your life. Some of you, listen to me, you have always dreamed of being a godly husband or godly wife, and you've grown up, maybe you grew up in a home where you were like, Pastor Stephen, you have no idea how messed up my parents were. And you grew up maybe in a a home that addiction was horrible. And you grew up and you had the dream of the promised land of the kind of family you were going to have and the kind of kids you were going to grow, raise. And and it's it's a giant that, that looms over you because you have defined yourself as the son or the daughter of an addicted person. The son or the daughter of whatever you, however you defined yourself and the giant in your land is, is, I could never be the godly father. I could never be the godly mother, the godly wife. And it's a giant. And listen to me, until you redefine yourself in God's, the way God sees you, you will never take the daring faith, the bold commitments of stepping into the future that God has for you. You won't do it. Some of you have dreamed of starting a business. Not to make a bunch of money. You're, you're, it's what you're passionate about. You make money right now, but you're miserable. You hate your job. And you talk about it, and you've been talking about doing this forever, and people are sick of hearing you talk about it. Not me, but other people. I just can't. <laughs> And it's how you see yourself. And your confidence and, and how you see yourself is this, this grasshopper mentality. And this, how you see yourself, it's important. Why? Because do you know that we create futures? 
Humans create futures. You create future. You don't, your future doesn't just happen. Again, this is a theology a lot of us believe that we just kind of think, well, you know what, it is what it is, and God just kind of makes my future, and I'm just kind of along the, the, long for the ride, and I'm just going to sit back and let life happen to me. You don't find that in the Bible. And what, what happens, though, is, is that we don't understand. Like, for example, do you, do you know that your heart and how your heart is, it's affecting your future? Do you know that, that, that your future, it flows, follow me, I, I want you to follow me here. Your future flows out of what's in your heart. You're creating your future by what's in your heart. So if you're defining yourself as a grasshopper or as an addict or whatever, or whatever shame or, or unforgiveness or bitterness that you have defined yourself with. Listen, What's in your heart will keep, you know what kept me from, from starting the church, from stepping, even as I had been 16 years a youth pastor, was my anxiety and my panic attacks. I, I'm telling you, it was my giant in my land. It was what was in my heart. Let me show you this. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The King James says it's the wellspring of your life. Guard your heart because it's a well. In other words, it's like a well. What comes out of your life? What comes out of that well is what is defining your future. It's what's creating your future. So you see that that it's important for you to see how do you see yourself? See, some of us, we have allowed, we see ourselves through the eyes of other people. You're all about how other people perceive you and how other people see you. And you see how the enemy can use all those things to cause most of us in here to have a confidence that is about like right here. We have no confidence. In the end, and, and what happens is that we believe that, again, the theology, well, it is what it is. I don't have any confidence, and I can't do anything. And God comes along and he says, listen, I want you to go do this. And you're like, whoa, God, hold on, time out. I'm not doing that. Let me, let me just say this to you while we're just kind of talking here. Do you know that there should be no reason why we should ever have to talk about that we need leaders or we need people to volunteer? I look around. Our church has grown tremendously. There's no reason why. I'm not special. I'm not any different than you are. We all have the call of God on our life that God wants to use us. But you'd be amazed when I say, hey, does, you know, we want to challenge you to, to be a part of the prayer team. People are like, you know what, you know what, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 25 years and still not ready. I need five more years and I'm going to be ready to pray with people. I've been practicing my prayer and I'm, re- I'm going to be ready. I can't volunteer in the parking lot because you know what? I, I, I've been driving for 20 years and I know about parking, but I just, it's, it's a different level spiritually at the church. <laughs> and, and what we do is we, we just kind of rationalize ourselves into this being passive 
What if I were to tell you that that small step of obedience in your life is that daring faith of saying, God, I'm scared to death, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to take this step. But see, as long as you define yourself as a, as with this grasshopper mentality, you will never step into the opportunities that are going to be in front of you that God gives you because God's going to give you opportunities. God's going to give you moments where you can make decisions to say, I'm going to do this. Where you can step through those doors. You know, Rachel, that leads our worship, a lot of you guys have had a chance to meet her. Uh, She took Pastor Keith's place after he left to go to Malaysia, back on the mission field. And hadn't she done an amazing job? We love her. She has done an amazing job, but what a lot of y'all don't know about her is this, is that she used to be right in your seats. She would sit every weekend, and if you've ever been around her, have a conversation with her and see that most of the time she shakes. She struggles with anxiety big time, and she, her, hand, her arms, she shakes. She's very nervous, and, and, and especially about being in front of people and talking to people. And you know, she she sat through weekend after weekend and she felt that God was calling her to be a part of the worship team. And she's like, God, no way. And all this kind of stuff happening. The thought of being in front of people to lead worship made her want to throw up. She's like, I can't sing as, as good as most people, but I knew that God was calling me to do this. And she didn't know that Pastor Keith was going to be called to go to Malaysia. She followed the calling. She followed the steps that God gave her to to have this daring faith to say, God, I I know you're asking me to do this, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to push past my fears. And today she's living in the future that would not have happened had she not pushed past her fears. And the future that God has for you, listen to me, hear me in your soul today. I don't care what you've done, what's happened in your life. God has a great plan for your life. It's beyond anything you could ever imagine. And it's on the other side of you having some daring faith that you trust him so much. See, this isn't about you gaining God's love. or God loves you. God cares about you. God, God, God has this incredible plan. God wants you to trust him. I love what Philippians 4.13 says. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all things, we, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, listen to me. Putting yourself down does not equate to lifting up Christ. You putting yourself down and criticizing yourself all the time that you can't do this and I can't do this and I'll never be the godly father or the godly mother or my kids, whatever. What are you doing? You're insulting God because you're his masterpiece. He's created you. And I, I listen to me. We do what we do because God gives us the strength, but we need to have confidence, and our confidence needs to come in God. There's a passage of Scripture that I, I want to close today that it's, maybe you've never heard of it. It's in the Old Testament. It's the story of Nehemiah. If you've ever heard the story of Nehemiah that, Nehemiah is this guy that is, he's off in this foreign land away from his hometown, and he's a, he is as, 
been enslaved and he's a servant in this foreign land and he hears through the grapevine that the city that he grew up in, the walls have been torn down, the enemy has attacked it, it's been devastated and the people are all, they don't have any kind of safety around them and he hears about this and God speaks to Nehemiah. God speaks to Nehemiah and he calls him to go do this, to go rebuild the walls And I love his daring faith because God gives him such incredible faith, favor. He goes to the king and he talks to the king about this. And you know what the king says? Whatever you need, you can have. Whatever you need, I'm going to give you so you can go go rebuild these walls. And he goes to rebuild the walls. People are against this. People are, a lot of the king's leadership are doing, they're fighting it. And I love his words, what he says to the people that are working with him in verse 14 of Nehemiah 4.14. He says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I love that. You remember the Lord is bad. I just added that. (laughs) The Lord is bad to the bone. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And look what it says. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for them. See, listen to me. I don't know what it is in your life. But I believe that every person in here, whether it maybe it is that you need to go and spend some time by yourself and kind of clean out the cobwebs of your dreams and But it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 60 or 80 years old. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life or you wouldn't be alive. And you need to rediscover it. And I just, I want to end today by telling you this, is that your future, it's worth fighting for. It's worth you having some commitment to be uncomfortable. It's worth you making drastic decisions to say, God, I know what's in my heart. Fight for it. Fight it. Don't you dare let your life come to an end. And at the end, say, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. I want to ask you to stand today. I want to ask our prayer team to come and they're going to stand across this front and just to make their way down to the front and I'm going to dismiss you in just a few moments and I just I want to encourage you to if you're here today and you need prayer and maybe this is the day you don't run out that you say you know what I need prayer see I believe there's people in this room right now that the dream the vision maybe you had for your son or your daughter it's, it's not there anymore 
and you look at a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old or maybe even a 10-year-old kid and you don't believe in them anymore, listen, I pray today that God gives you such a dream and such a vision for your kids that you will say, God, not on my watch. Not on my watch. I will fight for the future of my kids. Not on my watch are you going to destroy, is the enemy going to destroy my marriage? Not on my watch. I am going to fight for this. I'm going to fight for the calling that God has for my life. Fight for it. I want to ask you to bow your heads and just close your eyes. and I'm going to pray, and after I, I dismiss us, if you would like to come forward and receive prayer, man, I want to encourage you to do that today. So I believe that there's people here today that you are like, you know what, I, I need somebody to pray for me because my vision, my dream, my hope, it's just, I've gone through so much. I need somebody to stand with me today. Father, thank you for every person here today. God, I thank you for the bold callings that you give us, God. I thank you that the promises that you have for our life and the opportunities that you are placing before us, God, are are beyond anything we could ever dream of, Lord. Father, I pray over all of us, may we listen to your voice. May we listen in the midst of the chaos and the noise around us, God, that we would stop long enough to say, God, what do you want for my life? God, may you push us to the place that we would take these daring steps, that we would get on the path of of beginning to walk in those steps that you call us, that are daring steps that we take towards the destiny that you've called us in our life. Father, I pray blessing over every family, every person here as we leave this place. As we go to our houses, God, I pray that you would, God, protect us, God, strengthen every person, Lord. Raise us up to believe God again for what you have for us. Father, we thank you for this, God, and go with us today as we dismiss this service in your holy name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.